Well, good morning from Living Stones Church. My name is Mark Stevenson. I'm care pastor here at Living Stones Church. And uh, I just would like to make maybe one announcement here this morning, and that is in regards to our virtual groups that we've started up uh, just this coming week, actually. They're going to be kicking off. And we have about a half a dozen or eight uh, care groups that we're going to be starting. And we have leaders, and we have hosts, and... uh, We have assistant leaders, and we want to encourage you, if you want to be involved in those uh, virtual groups, maybe just to go to the web page and just express a little interest in that. Maybe you want to learn to be a leader. You want to be a host of a group. Uh, There's lots of different things that you can do in these virtual groups. So we want to encourage you to to, uh, do that and take advantage of that. Well, this morning, uh, as I've been working on this, I was praying about what to be speaking about. And a couple of weeks ago, as I was in a time of devotion, I was reading the story of the two individuals who were on the road to Emmaus. And this has always intrigued me, this story. There's so many things happening at this time in history. And uh, it's such an interesting story. As I was reading it, I imagined what these two individuals are going through as they're leaving Jerusalem after just witnessing the life-changing event of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. The grief that they were experiencing as they walked along the road was obvious. You can see that in the text. And uh, as I pondered that, and as I was reading that and meditating on it and just uh, letting it soak in and, and thinking about what was taking place in all the different areas at that time, I you know, couldn't help, but it sort of drew me back to a time of grief in my own life. It was uh, 22 years ago that we buried my younger brother at the age of 36. He was killed in a work accident. And uh, uh, Randy was a a good brother. And it was uh, quite a time in our lives of uh, just struggle and trying to figure out why would this happen and what good could possibly come from that. And at the time, I had more questions than I did answers. As I watched the heart-wrenching scene uh, as, my, as his young wife and three boys started off, stared off into the distance uh, and in wonder as they tried to make sense of this tragic news that they got, that her husband and their daddy wouldn't be coming home anymore. I remembered the intense grief and loss that we were experiencing as we were all trying to come to grips with this tragedy. And I can still see and hear the travailing of my mother's anguished heart. And I can see and hear and uh, see the brokenness in my dad's grief-filled eyes. And for a long time afterward, I could feel the distraught sobs that racked my sisters as we held each other. And memories marched before my mind like soldiers causing me to relive this Uh, the memories of my brother and this sadness of this event for months. And uh, I don't know that I have ever been so sad. I thought if it was this difficult for me, I couldn't imagine what it would be like for my parents. And uh, it was just uh, quite an event. And as time passed and as I watched my parents, I observed a miracle because I saw them move from such despair to hope, and from brokenness to amazing peace, and from uncertainty to assurance, and from needing comfort 
to extending it. I, want, I witnessed them facing a parent's worst nightmare and seeing them refusing to turn their backs and run away. Instead, they ran to Jesus. And I watched as the Lord placed his mantle of grace over all of us and supported us with his healing mercy. And I remember at the time when we're going through the process of he had just passed away and we're in the, arranging the funeral and different events that went on with that. And I can remember the feeling. I remember driving to the funeral home and I remember we're like all of us together in the van and I remember feeling like if there was just some place to run and some place to hide, I'd have run as hard as I could run, but there wasn't anywhere to go. And as the grief process began for all of us, we had the assurance that the Lord would not move, remove his presence from any of us. And his presence was very strong at the time. But I also knew that there would probably be moments when we would, he would remove our awareness of his presence, allowing us to feel the impact of our loss because we cannot deny the pain <clears throat> that we must face in this world as we walk through all the brokenness there is in this life. Jesus offers us refuge, but he also offers us wholeness. And we have to <clears throat> own our pain. <clears throat> if, um, and we have to face it. And uh, his grace is sufficient for us to do that. If we don't face our pain, part of who we are will either shut down, avoid, or just deny and uh, that would leave us estranged from ourselves and divided in our true identity. And we would never heal in a way that would allow us to be able to go out and to minister and help others that are maybe going through the same kind of difficulties in their lives. And we were all so thankful that somebody took the time to tell Randy about the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ and that he died and rose again for his salvation so that he could live eternally. We were all so grateful that that took place in his life. And I thank Jesus for that with my family, with my kids, and I pray for that for our church family and our relatives. I pray that Jesus would allow us all to have the grace to go and to preach the gospel to our relatives in, a, in many facets in life of how we go about doing that and help them to understand the humiliating painful death that Jesus died so that we could live when Jesus died his followers were devastated with grief uh, similar to what our family was experiencing at the time the disciples had lost their best friend their leader their life's goals and their hopes and dreams. The meaning for their life had been shaken for all of them. The one that they thought was going to be the Messiah who was going to set them free from Roman rule was now dead. And as far as they knew, this just wasn't quite the way that things were supposed to go. When the Messiah come, it was supposed to look different than this. Then meeting the resurrected Christ gave them an assurance and a power that they needed to recover from their grief and to regain their wholeness and renew their commitment to the goals that Jesus had 
originally set out for them. And you know, like we would have a little bit of a problem maybe feeling the grief and the loss that maybe the disciples felt when Jesus died and when in his death. But we can certainly feel the power of the resurrection of Jesus, his resurrected power, and experience being a part of the goals that he's given to those who are searching for this message of living hope. So, Lord, we just come to you this morning and just pray for this message that you would help us to receive what it is that you'd have for us to receive. Apart from you, all my words, Lord God, that's all they are is words. But in you, your word is living and it's active. Your words are sharper than a double-edged sword, piercing, Lord God, dividing the soul and the spirit. And Father, judging the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. Open our minds to hear what it is that your spirit is saying to each one of us, Father God. Just as you open the, uh, the minds of your disciples at this time in this story, Lord, so that they could understand the scriptures that Jesus was breaking open to them. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is where we're going this morning as we're taking a look at the life of Jesus as is told in the Gospel of Luke. Luke's Gospel begins with the story of the arrival of an unlikely king who was born in uh, poor, humble circumstances. We see the king this king grow as a prophet and teacher, calling people everywhere to a radical way of life where enemies become friends and poor become cared for and where people find forgiveness from their failures. His way of leadership led people in a way that was completely contrary to the norm as they knew it. He went from town to town inviting people to follow him and live under God's reign in an upside-down world. He did many miraculous signs and wonders and many Israelites began to take hope in what, in, uh, that he was this long-awaited Messiah who was setting up his kingdom of peace and justice and bringing the kingdom of God. The religious leaders of the day were also hoping for this Messiah. But to them, the message that Jesus was speaking was a threat. To them, the, the, the Messiah was supposed to be bringing them power, authority, and prestige. But Jesus' message was the kingdom of God belongs to the poor and the outsiders. The real power is in serving and loving others and preferring and building one another up. And then we see this tension intensify when Jesus goes into the temple and he overturns the money tables and he calls the leaders a gang of rebels. They arrested Jesus, falsely accusing him of being a rebel king and then handing him over for execution in spite of his innocence. They took him outside of the city and they put him to death. Jesus was dead. His followers were left devastated, hopeless, defeated, and confused. And so if we take this story now and we jump back the previous week before the crucifixion, we come to the story just before the crucifixion that's known as the triumphal entry. A great crowd of people were gathering at Jerusalem, celebrating the annual feast of the Passover. They're coming from all over the place to Jerusalem to celebrate this. And the word that Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead was mingling through the crowds and was getting a lot of attention. 
And rumor had it that Jesus was on his way into the city. And they were all running out of the city to see him, lining up the sides of the streets. He was the Messiah, as far as they all knew. He was coming into the city with something in mind. And they thought they knew what he was coming in for. But even the Pharisees said, look at how the whole world has gone after him. And the people took palm branches and went out to meet him. And they were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Excitement and anticipation filled the hearts of the people. The Messiah had finally arrived to deliver the people from the Roman rule. And then amongst all of these people, we see two individuals that we don't hear about before this in the scripture, and we don't hear anything about them after. There are a couple of friends of the disciples and the followers of Jesus. It is after the crucifixion of Jesus, these two individuals are on their way home, out of Jerusalem, heading to uh, Emmaus, a place called Emmaus where they lived. Seven-mile journey out of Israel, they watched as the, um, as the one at the, that was their Messiah who was coming into Jerusalem to deliver them was now dead. And it was like, now what? And so they're on their way back to Emmaus. And uh, the story from Luke chapter 24, verses 14 through 40, is where we see this. And it's really just a fascinating story. It says in verse 14, as they walked along the road, they were talking about everything that had happened. And some of the stuff that happened, Luke doesn't really pull it out of the scripture or show us or talk too much about it, but Matthew chapter 27 talks about a number of the things that happened when Jesus was crucified. And as Jesus is being crucified, it says that darkness fell over the whole land. And then when Jesus breathed his last and surrendered his spirit to the Father, it says that the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, tombs opened up. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city of Jerusalem appearing to many people. Like all of this kind of stuff as Jesus is being crucified, I tell you, would have just really kind of shaken up that whole city. I just couldn't imagine, like, if you were there and you were walking through this whole process, and even those leaders, religious leaders, how could they keep going as you see they do in the book of Acts? That is a hard heart. Even the Roman officers and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened. And they said, this man truly was the son of God. Imagine all of this stuff. And being there. So verse 14 says, As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and they discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. They were so intently talking about all these things that had happened that they didn't even really, well, they don't say anything in here about the shock that where did you come from? But Jesus just appears and just starts walking with these guys. And the word says that but God kept them from recognizing who he was. And he asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their face. 
Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about the things that have happened here these last few days. What things, Jesus said. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. They're hopeless. Their faith is being rattled here. It's like this doesn't make any sense, and it's not the way that this thing is supposed to end. They thought that the leaders were in control of crucifying Jesus, but when we really read the scriptures, we see that God was working his plan for the redemption of all mankind, and this was a part of it. How many times has our faith been rattled and doubts rise up within us when we're going through difficult times and it just doesn't seem to make sense? When Randy was killed, it didn't make sense with three little boys. That didn't make sense to me. He's a Christian, and I, you know, I just had a lot of questions for God at the time. I knew that he was sovereign. I knew that he had things in control, but I said, Lord, and I understand that, but it just, in my mind, it doesn't make sense. But God knows, and he's working his plan in our lives in spite of the brokenness and everything around us. And this is what these guys were learning at the time. Remember, as Jesus was standing before Pontius Pilate, Pilate says to him, don't you realize that I have the power to free you or crucify you? And notice Jesus' answer to Pilate. He says, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Jesus knew where the power and authority came from. And then we see Peter preaching to the crowds in Jerusalem after Jesus had ascended to heaven. He says, people of Israel, listen. In Acts chapter 2, verse 22 through 23, God publicly endorsed Jesus of Nazareth, the Nazarene, by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. God is in control. So we see in their struggle, we see their struggle to believe that any good could possibly come from the crucifixion of Jesus. So we see it in what they say here. They say, we had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. So their minds were locked on how this whole thing was supposed to unfold and what it was supposed to look like. Then they go on telling Jesus, then some women of our group of followers were at the tomb early this morning. They came back with this amazing report. They said his body was missing and they seen angels who told them that Jesus was alive. Some of the men ran out to see and sure enough his body was gone just like the women had said. And then Jesus rebukes them. And then Jesus says, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets had wrote in the scriptures. Now wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory. Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and the prophets, explaining from the scriptures, all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So at this time, they're getting close to Emmaus. They're getting close to home, and Jesus is walking with them. But Jesus is uh, acting like he's just going to walk on by. And they grab him and say, hey, Jesus, come and stay with us. It's getting late. Come and stay at our place tonight. So Jesus went with them. And as they reclined at the table to eat, Jesus took the bread and he blessed it, he broke it, and as he handed it to them, their eyes were opened and they saw who he was and just as they saw who he was, he disappeared just as fast. 
it's a crazy story in uh, so many respects. And as they sat down to eat, or, or they uh, said to each other, they said, did our hearts not burn within us as, we talked, as he talked with us on the road explaining the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were back up and they were gone back to Jerusalem. So they found the 11 disciples and the others that were gathered with them. And these guys come running to them and they said, wow, they said, it's true. The Lord really has risen. He appeared to Peter. So then these two from Emmaus, they told their story about how Jesus had happened to be with them as they were walking along the road and how that they recognized him when he broke the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly among them. Peace be with you, he says. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands and look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost, because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. And as he spoke and he showed him their hands and their feet, we can see this same little snippet here in the Gospel of John. And it says, On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, they were uh, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders as Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Everything that Jesus was about culminates right here in the Gospels. Every miracle he performed, every wonder, every sign was to convince the world that he was who he said he was. That he was the Son of God who came to set the captive free. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. That's what it's all about. And we, as the church of Jesus Christ, have a job to do. As the Father has sent me, Jesus said, so I am sending you. If Jesus has shown himself to you, and you're a follower of Christ, you are, and we are, responsible to go and give a reason for the hope that we have of eternal life. People in our community need to know that God loves them, that he cares about them. And it's only if we are willing to tell them are they going to hear it. Now the Apostle Paul says something that's very interesting. He says, but how can they call on him to be saved unless they believe in him? How can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? Matthew 28, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me just before he's ascended to heaven. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, that's all nationalities, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. This is what the gospel is all about. Are we going? It's a great question, and I've had to ask myself that in preparing this message. And as I was reading this, you know, a few weeks ago and meditating on these scriptures, and I thought, wow, man, Lord, am I going? 
as we experience the shutting down of everything around us with this thing that's going on all over the world, being forced to stop. I think that it's causing many of us to reevaluate our lives. And as I've been praying and reevaluating my life, I know that reading the scriptures and coming across this story, you know, it, uh, the question really has been stirring in me. Am I going? Am I really going? Are we as a church of Red Deer going out and making disciples? One great encouraging thing to me is that our church here have seen many people come to know the Lord for the first time these past few years. And our church, actually, the numbers have grown because of, as a result of that. And I see that in our discipleship ministry. We see that in our alpha groups. You know, that is a good thing. I think that we could be going far more out and making disciples, but we have had a taste of seeing people come to know the Lord for the first time. And there's nothing more life-giving, I don't think, to the church than to see people come to know him. But God has many more people in our city to reach. And what a great time to reach out to these people. A time when everyone's probably asking, what is life all about? What's the purpose of life? Jesus says, as the Father is sending me, so I am sending you. So I want to challenge us as a congregation and the church of Jesus Christ around the world because I know that there's more people than just Livingstone's church here this morning. And I want to challenge all of us with these words that Jesus said just before he ascended to his disciples then. And Peter's preaching to the children of Israel when thousands of people are coming into the church. He says, this promise is for you, it's for your children, and it's for all who will be saved, and for, for all who are far off. That means for everybody. And we're still living, and there's no book, there's no end to the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the Acts of the apostles or the Holy Spirit in the people. And there's no end to that book. And so we are still to be going out, making disciples of all nations. As long as we've got breath, that's our responsibility as a church. And so I just want to challenge you to not just put this word as a, on the shelf or in your pocket or wherever you put them, but I want you to take this word and think about it because the Holy Spirit is saying, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples of all nations. Share your testimony. Revelation says that we overcome the enemy by the word of our testimony, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And who can argue with the testimony that you have in your life? Maybe this is the first time you've heard this message. There was a man who was searching, and his name was Zacchaeus. And he was a chief tax collector. He was probably one of the most disliked people of his day in his profession because these guys had the right to collect taxes and they could cheat the people and charge them more if they wanted and it sounds like they usually did. And Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. He heard that he was coming and he was a shorter man and he couldn't see him over the crowds. He ran ahead of the people and he climbed up in a sycamore tree. And as he's sitting up in the tree and Jesus is approaching him, Jesus stops and he looks up into the tree and he sees Zacchaeus. He says, Zacchaeus, come down quickly. He says, I must stay at your place tonight. And this excited Zacchaeus that Jesus wanted to stay with him. And Zacchaeus come down to the tree quickly and he took Jesus to his place. 
And the people were indignant. They said, this guy's going to be with that sinner. And Jesus, Zacchaeus, as he's with Jesus, he stopped and, and before the Lord and he said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I've cheated anybody on their taxes, I'm going to pay them back four times as much. And Jesus' response, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. He had a repentant heart. And he was going to fix that. He was going to make a difference. He was turning from his old way and turning to a new way of generosity. And Jesus says, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Are you lost this morning? Jesus simply says, come. Just like when Jesus was betrayed, that that wasn't no accident, but it was actually a prearranged plan from the Father because God was, had the intentions of all mankind being saved. Just like that was no accident, it's no accident that you're listening this morning. You're hearing this message for the first time. You, maybe you've never heard anything like that before. We have a connect card on the webpage there. If you connected onto that connect card, we'll follow up and, and try to help you to grow in understanding who Jesus is. And so I want to pray this prayer, and I want you to follow along with me. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more here in a second. And so, Jesus, we thank you that you've died for us, that you died for me. And Jesus, I pray that you would come and be Lord of my life. Help me, Lord, in my unbelief. Help me to know who you are. Help me to, to live for you. And help me to have wisdom on how to live and walk through this life, Father God. In Jesus' name, forgive me for my sins. And help me to walk the walk that you would have me to walk. In Jesus' name, amen. And Lord, I pray for our church. I pray for the church of you, Jesus, over the face of the earth that every single one of us, we pray for those, Lord God, that are experiencing tremendous pressure to deny their faith and are being persecuted, Lord. We just, as a church worldwide, gather together and just lift them up to you, Father, for strength that you would pour out your spirit on them in an incredible way, Lord God, for the people that are in situations where you're going to perform a miracle, Lord, to see them set free, to save their loved ones, Father God. Whatever the case may be, Lord, I pray that we as a church would be willing to be persecuted, to go out and speak your word, Lord, of hope and direction for a world that's walking so aimlessly. Fear, Lord. I pray for everybody that is fearful, Lord God, of this sickness that's going around. Lord God, the peace that passes understanding that you give to your people as we keep our mind stayed on you, I pray that that would be so for every person. For we know, Lord, that you're in control of everything. And we thank you, Father. I pray that we, as a congregation, would be bold and be strong and would go forth and preach your gospel just in a word of testimony and a caring word, reaching out to people and helping to meet needs and to just lift people up, Lord God. I pray for our community that, that they would just be strengthened at this time, Lord, and that the churches of Redder would be a, give a message of hope to everybody in this city. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you're visiting with us this morning here at Livingstone's Church, I want to encourage you to connect onto that Connect card and just let us know that you were here. 
and maybe a little bit about yourself. It would be very encouraging for all of us as a staff, and it would just be really neat to uh, maybe get to know you a little bit. And uh, if you've made that decision for the first time, you've asked Jesus to come into your life, I want to encourage you to fill, take that Connect card, fill it out, because we've got ways of helping you grow in your faith, to come to know, to know how does God answer prayer? How do I know that Jesus is alive? How do I know that I can walk personally with him? And so I want to just encourage you to click on that Connect card and let us know that uh, you were here this morning and let us reach out to you. And it doesn't matter where you're at in the world, we can reach out to you. So do that. It would bless us. And I want to encourage you to remember about the virtual groups. Go onto the webpage, connect on those, and let's grow as a body together. Wherever we're at, whatever we're going through, we can encourage each other and uh, we can make a difference in our communities. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless.